staff following the Alabama Crimson Tides 20-14 win over the LSU Tigers Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. A little bit more of a uh, contested contest than I think a lot of people were anticipating, sir. No. Spread nearing Alabama by 30, favored by nearly 30 points to Crimson Tide. Wasn't expected to be a game in which the Tigers were taking shots into the end zone down six to close things out, but that's what you got. That's what you got. So the revenge factor, although to me at least it felt a little stale because the talk about the last time LSU had been in Bryant-Denny Stadium was two years ago. This wasn't coming off a win by LSU a year ago in Tuscaloosa. Alabama had already gone to Baton Rouge last December and exacted, I thought at the time at least, was a good bit of revenge in a 55-17 to win over the Tigers, but it was still being talked about this week. Uh, didn't turn out that way. But I will say this, Alabama, when it took the lead there in the second quarter, right, that was the first time Alabama led LSU in Tuscaloosa since 2017. So the Crimson Tide wobbles, sort of weaves, uh, slops through in a lot of ways. A win over LSU still on track for an SEC Western Division title. And right now, I think that's what you have to focus on, continuing to just put one foot in front of the other with this team. Don't have the ability to look ahead to, say, Atlanta, Georgia on that first Saturday in December. This team still continues to have bouts of inconsistency. Uh, you saw it again on Saturday night. Uh, didn't get off to the best of starts uh, defensively. Uh, played better as the game went on, ended up being very dominant defensively for extended stretches. Will Anderson, right? I mean, we could spend this entire segment talking about the sophomore outside linebacker from Hampton, Georgia. He was lights out once again, 12 tackles, four for loss, one and a half sacks, two quarterback hurries, and Alabama needed every bit of it. Fedarian Mathis give the veteran defensive end a lot of credit as well he was also a presence in the pass rush at time he also had three quarterback hurries to go along with I think it was two sacks for Phil in the game Alabama had five sacks and uh, let's see one and a half for Will you had two from the true freshman outside linebacker Dallas Turner including a big one late um, and again Fedarian Mathis Coming up big in his own right with uh, with one sack, but he did have a tackle and a half for loss. He was robbed of the sack, I thought anyway, late in the game with LSU inside the Alabama 10. And I thought that Max Johnson fumbled the football. Uh, it was ruled a fumble on the field. It was re reviewed. I thought that Max Johnson was trying to secure the ball, bringing his hand forward with the ball. Wasn't able to do it. He wasn't in a passing motion at all, uh, but it was reversed and it ended up being an incompletion. Uh, Alabama ended up getting off the field anyway, so it didn't matter all that much. It did cost Phil, though, uh, not only a sack, but a forced fumble. So, you know, there were, there were a lot of things to talk about from this game, and we'll let you guys get in here uh, as we talk about it. Post-game LSU. 
Uh, a lot of folks with a lot of opinions, as you might expect, certainly where the offense is concerned. Six rushing yards for Alabama in the game. And I went back as best I could in the little bit of time before I jumped on here with you guys. Six rushing yards, from what I could gather, was a low for the Nick Saban era. The lowest I could come up with before Saturday night was 20 rushing yards against LSU in 2007. So, Brian Robinson, 13 carries for 18 yards. You had sacks, obviously, that factored into negating from that rushing total for Alabama what little of it there was. Uh, Bryce Young sacked four times in the game, including one late where he was uh, forced to fumble and uh, put LSU once again in a great position to be able to take the lead late in the game. The Alabama defense answered the bell one more time, but uh, the offense, uh, especially the run game, and look, the offensive line early, you had the issue at center with Darian Dahlcourt going out. Um, Chris Owens makes the move from right tackle to center. You put Damian George in the game. So you had some shuffling going on in game, which is never an ideal scenario. You know they've worked on that in practice, but a different deal altogether when it happens in a game. And, you know, for all the absences we talked about with LSU throughout the week, most of those had to do with the back end of that defense, the secondary. So whereas you think, boy, the matchups are so good on the outside, why isn't Alabama just lighting this LSU defense up? Well, because guys like Damone Clark, middle linebacker for LSU, is an outstanding player, had eight tackles Saturday night, two for loss, a pass breakup. Guys like Micah Baskerville, a veteran inside linebacker, Neil Farrell Jr., um, you had Glenn Logan. Between the defensive line and linebacker levels, B.J. Ojolari, still some dogs for this LSU defense. So that wasn't going to be an easy matchup. It was still going to require taking care of business up front to be able to capitalize on those absences on the back end of that defense. And I thought all things considered, Bryce Young hung in there pretty good. LSU had nothing to lose and called a game like that, both offensively, defensively, also in special teams. You had a jump pass from a punter, for crying out loud, that LSU converted there in the first quarter. Avery Adkins uh, with a completion for 26 yards. So you kind of figured, you even heard Ed Orgeron earlier in the week hit at the possibility for trickery in this game. And he delivered early in the first quarter. So LSU threw everything at Alabama. I thought defensively LSU just said, look, we know we're depleted on the back end, but we're going to bring six or seven guys on a down-by-down basis, whether it's run or pass. And if you can get us blocked or you can pop something, good for you. If not, we're going to be in Bryce Young's face. We're going to harass him for much of the night. And your run game is going to have a hard time finding some running lanes. And those things came to fruition. And even with all that, Bryce Young, 24 of 37, 302 yards, two touchdown passes. And Jamison Williams with another big game. Ten catches, 160 yards. Uh, had the long touchdown catch in the game for 58. So you're still getting some explosive plays even with the sketchy at best protection and the issues that you tried to deal with in-game 
uh, with the departure of Darian Dahlcourt. And also, at one point, Emil Echior had to come off the field because of a helmet malfunction. And you saw Tommy Brown come in there at right guard, I want to say, in the second quarter, I believe it was. And uh, that was the two-yard touchdown run by Brian Robinson. The play before that, Echior lost his helmet, had to come off. You got Tommy Brown at guard. You got Chris Owens at center. You've got Damian George at right tackle, so a different look for sure for that offensive line. And even had some injuries throughout the course of the game, as we heard from Nick Saban post-game. Dawcourt was an ankle early in the game. Sounds like a sprain. Saban wasn't exactly sure to what extent Dawcourt was injured. We'll know more about that early in the New Mexico State practice week. You also had Jalen Armour Davis go off with what appeared to be a hip injury, a lower back hip injury. He did not return. So Josh Job, who hadn't practiced all week, was forced into action with turf toe. You had Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKinstry at the other corner getting his start tonight against LSU. So you had to deal with some things on the defensive side of the ball as well. But defense really won this game on Saturday night. Again, you talk about Will Anderson, just another incredible performance. Um, I thought Henry Toa Toa in spots did some really good things. Uh, You still had a little bit of confusion on the back end of that defense, not only against the pass, which LSU took advantage of, by lining Brian Thomas, a wide receiver, up in the backfield and then just basically swinging him out into the flat. And he ends up scoring easily there to give LSU a 7-0 lead there in the first quarter. Uh, But also in the run game, popped a big one with with Ty Davis-Price there in the fourth quarter. I thought Alabama, before that long run, did a really good job on Ty Davis-Price. You knew the counter plays were coming uh, with that big back behind him. Uh, he finishes the game 23 for 104. LSU rushes for 109 as a team. Max Johnson, 16 of 32, 160 yards uh, and two touchdowns with an interception by Jalen Armour Davis. That came off a hell of a play, by the way, by Christian Harris with a deflection there to set that up for uh, – Jalen Armour Davis. So there were some positives. You know, you had a PHT streak by Will Reichert, unfortunately, go by the boards. You had some issues on field goal extra point between the snap and the hold. The snaps weren't quite on the money. Uh, kind of put Paul Tyson in some positions where he had to do a little extra with the holds. Those didn't always go so well. So Will Reichert misses a 49 yard field goal attempt early. Again, sees his extra point streak that was in excess of 120 in a row go by the boards with a mixed extra point there in the third quarter following Jamison Williams' big play for a touchdown, the deep ball from Bryce Young. So plenty to work on for this Alabama team. Is everybody going to be okay, though? Kind of happy that New Mexico State is next? Need some more time, huh? Yeah, you know, Steve, I, I think there's a lot of Alabama fans that probably feel that way about the the play calling at times on offense. One of the things that I thought we would see more of, and that's understanding that LSU was also down at the corners, so it should have been a situation where they could have taken advantage of more things really across the board. But, man, when you talk about at that slot corner, at that star position, 
for LSU, they opened the game with Pig Cage. That's his name. Well, Quentin is his name, but Pig Cage is the defensive back's name on the LSU roster that the Tigers were sort of forced into going to there at the star position. And you, know, you kind of thought, well, maybe you'll see more of Jamison Williams or John Mechie working inside going against this guy. But at the end of the day, you still got to be able to protect. And whether it's four-man rush, five-man rush, six-man rush, and whether you have a guy go out. Uh, and I thought they did pick it up through the midsection of the game. I thought it was better. Still didn't run the ball, couldn't run the ball. But, um, you know, I thought that at least from a protection standpoint there, for a quarter or two, it sort of came together at least a little bit. But um, fourth quarter, it sort of cropped back up, and you saw it there with the big sack of, of, uh, of Bryce uh, when the fumble was forced there. And that was an overload blitz off of the right side of the offense. And I don't know how you were going to pick that up. You had two guys that Damian George was trying to deal with. I don't know if the back was supposed to help over there or, or what, but um, – it just didn't. It didn't happen. I thought the tackling was actually not bad. Um, I know that Ty Davis Price broke one there again in the fourth quarter. Um, there were some plays where yards after catch were a little bit of an issue, but you know I was on the roundtable message board there at BOL and throughout the game and. On that last possession uh, or so by, uh, I guess it was the last possession, by LSU, my thought was at that point, just bring six at least. Go after Max Johnson. Because we've seen too much from this Alabama defense, or on more than a few occasions anyway, where they try to just rush for it, they don't get pressure, unless it's Will Anderson and occasionally Fedarian Mathis. And then the potential for bus on the back end are, are very real. So in situations like that late in the game Saturday night, I felt like go ahead and try to go get this guy because if you sit back with a three- or four-man rush, even if you bring five, they don't get there enough with their, their five-man pressure. Bring the six, and they actually – I guess on that last play, really, or one of the last plays, they brought seven. They brought both safeties. You hardly ever see a Nick Saban defense bring seven guys and bring both safeties. Uh, That was some Todd Grantham-ish. But at that point, that was sort of my sentiment, was bring more than they can block and make this guy make a throw with somebody's face mask in his rib cage or in his chest. Uh, Because if he has time to sit back there, you just worry that there's going to be a breakdown back there. And you're going to have somebody running free. What else have we got tonight, gang? Let me know what's going on. I know, you don't even have the Braves to watch tonight. You know, it's kind of boring Saturday night compared to the last couple. The world champion Atlanta Braves. Um... You know, I thought some other issues in the game uh, that, that you could point to, both positively and, and negatively. 
again, the, the, the non-existent run game was kind of amazing to watch play out. I, I haven't seen, again, I, the best of my recollection, I can't recall six rushing yards um, by Alabama in the Nick Saban era. Had 36 against South Carolina in that loss in 2010. I did find that. Had 20, again, against LSU in 2007. Other than that, that's uh, that's about as as few as I can come up with is six. Um, you know, from an injury perspective, we ran those down for you. It didn't sound like uh, anything to be overly concerned about with New Mexico State coming back. You know, the place kicking, I didn't think was – I couldn't really put it all on Will Reichert. Because, again, for whatever reason, the snaps were just a little off. The holds weren't quite there. Now, an extra point, you know, a lot of guys will tell you, even with the situation that unfolded there at 20-7, to 7, um, you get those through. But they miss that one wide right. The problem with the offensive line right now is I think we learned more tonight about some of those things, is that you know, we at all, I think, sort of wondered – um, what about Damian George at right tackle and maybe go with Chris Owens at center where it seems like he's a little better fit than trying to deal with elite edge guys in the Southeastern Conference there at the tackle position. But, you know, they weren't exactly perfect or anything close to it once they made that change with Owens going to center and um, – Damian George coming on. Now, in fairness to Damian George, you give a guy a week to prepare. You give him a week of first-team reps. You give him all those things, and there's a there's certainly a chance for a, a better outcome, a better uh, performance. And so when I take those things into account, I don't think Damian George was exactly poor in his play. Uh, it's sort of like sudden changes in other aspects of uh, the game. You know, things happen quick during the course of a game. You're put into a situation against a very capable opponent. You know, if what happened tonight happened next Saturday in the first quarter against New Mexico State, you just make the change or two. You shuffle the offensive line, and against an opponent like New Mexico State, you know, not much gets revealed. But when you combine the fact that, as I talked about earlier, whereas, yes, LSU had a lot of guys out, but also LSU's front seven still had a lot of guys on the field. It wasn't depleted in that front seven. I know Mason Smith, the true freshman, didn't play up front. But, you know, otherwise, Logan, Farrell, Roy, um, Clark, the SEC, he's the SEC's leading tackler. Baskerville's played a lot. You know, they still had capable people on the field. And their approach was going to be pretty much, we're going to bring more guys than you can block. And then we'll see how you deal with that. And it was a problem. For Alabama before, even the little bit before that we saw with uh, Darian Dahlcourt on the field. So when you start shuffling, uh, it becomes probably a bigger problem, at least for a couple of series. Where the biggest problem was, you know, just not being able to sustain things offensively. You know, you get into the second half, and yes, you hit Jamison Williams right out the gate with the 58-yard touchdown pass, and that's a great thing, but it was just a two-play possession. And then Alabama's next five possessions, actually its final five possessions of the game, 
Three plays, three plays, three plays. So three, three and outs after the Williams touchdown. Then they go eight for 35, and they have the fumble. Um, and then they go three for minus five and punt. So it just weren't on the field. And when you can't run the football to close games, you end up holding on for dear life. That was as much of a problem with the run game, not having a presence Saturday night as much as anything else. They couldn't finish the game with the run game, or at least just enough to stay on the field in the second half. And, you know, with that, you know, LSU stayed aggressive, going for fourth downs, had the 74-play, 74-yard drive that felt like 74 plays there. Um in the fourth quarter to make it a one score game again, uh, at 20 to 14. And, um, you know, Alabama was pretty much in hold on mode from there. What else do we have crew? All right. I guess that's going to do it for a Saturday night. As always. You guys settle down a little bit. Yeah, Trip. I kind of hear you on Dan Mullen. Look, it could always be worse, right? I mean, to get thunder funked by South Carolina like Florida did, I, I know that's not the standard that Alabama uh, holds itself to. But, uh, oof, that was a rough one. Um, I like Doug Marone. Just got a question about offensive line coach Doug Marone. I can't pretend to know enough about what's going on. Um, I can't tell you this, um, you know, at some point you're going to catch a year, if not more, where you are what you are in terms of personnel. Um, and obviously, and, and I don't think this is any decision just one person has made for themselves, but collectively they've decided that this is what we've got. And, uh, they've gone with their best five. And it doesn't excuse at times where, um, you know, the execution isn't what it needs to be because, as you heard Nick Saban say post-game tonight, that falls on the coaching staff as well. So it doesn't remove the responsibility from the coaches in any way when when that group doesn't play well. But I do think in some ways they just pretty much are what they are right now. Um, You know, they've had some nice – uh, recruiting classes, and you know they need some guys to continue to develop, not so much even for this year, but for next year. And I'm not saying this year's over, but in terms of projecting this offense right now to even some of the defenses in some of the games that they have coming up before Atlanta, if they get to Atlanta, um, they're going to still be in that position, I think, more than they would like that the game falls largely to Bryce Young and those receivers. And, uh, you know, thank goodness for Jamison Williams coming in from Ohio State. Uh, He's been an absolute revelation, no doubt about that. And uh, they've got to use this next game, this next week. Typically you look at games like New Mexico State as almost another bye week opportunity for you, but I don't think they can look at, this next game that way because Arkansas is capable. Uh, they beat Mississippi State today. That was a nice win for Sam Pittman in Fayetteville. And then you've got 
Auburn playing at a good enough level right now uh, to certainly push Alabama to the to the limit uh, in Jordan Hare, a place where Auburn has been especially difficult on the Crimson Tide in the Iron Bowl. So, as I said from the outset of the of the podcast or the show here, um, I don't think that uh, I still don't think this team can take anything for granted, and it's kind of been the same narrative that we've been talking about since the the start of the season. So, hey, keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. We're going to have continuing coverage of Alabama 20, LSU 14 throughout the weekend for you. We're going to have great stuff from Charlie Potter, from Kirk McNair. I'll contribute as well. And then, you know what starts this next week, too? You got the basketball season cranking up for real. Men's and women's basketball teams at Alabama in a doubleheader on Tuesday at Coleman Coliseum. So we'll get into some hoops more and more as we move throughout the month of November. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. Keep it right here with us on the Bama Online podcast, which you can subscribe to as easily as a click or two. And if you leave a rating and a review for us while you're there, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Until next time, so long, everybody.